So, Berto, have you seen Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind? I sure have, or have I? Well, that's what I want to talk about today, because listener Ricardo wrote in, he said, I like the fact that you discuss movies, which is one of my greatest passions. I believe that it's one of the most effective mediums to spread empathy, which is, which is desperately needed nowadays. My favorite movie of all time is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. It's a total masterpiece. So that's what we're going to talk about today. This is the Psychology of Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor. My name is Humberto Castaneda, and I wrote a hit play, so I'm not sweating it either. So this is one of my, also one of my favorite movies. I will tell you uh, where it ranks among my top movies after we analyze this, but I will tell you that this uh, did win an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay. But let's talk about what the the main technology in this movie, which is uh, what they called focused erasure of troubling memories. Yes. What do you think about this uh, technology in the movie, Bruno? <laughs> yeah, it seems like an interesting idea when you first think about it. And then, of course, the more you think about it, it seems very troubling. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's the appeal is, of course... You know, we, we've talked on the podcast a lot about trauma, you know, trauma as a child or, or people suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. Imagine if you could, uh, from your own choice, erase those traumatic memories. That seems very appealing. Right. Yeah. It, I'll get more into that in a second. <clears throat> How do you, uh, what do you think about the way it was portrayed visually and you know, storyline-wise in the movie. Uh, obviously, it was a very uh, sci-fi-ish or, you know, pseudo-sci-fi-ish kind of way, but but it was a very compelling visual. Yeah. And it was uh, fun. There was a lot of fun with it. Yeah. I loved the way they portrayed this. He it basically becomes sort of conscious as they are uh, erasing his memories. Yeah. And so he... He's in his memories, walking around, interacting with his old memories. Yeah. And it was just a beautiful way to to do it. And there's very little CGI. Uh, 99% of the way they depict this, uh, this experience for him is completely done with practical effects. And this was done, I mean, what year was this? 98? Uh, 90-something. 2004. Oh, <laughs> much later than I thought, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, very little CGI, which most directors would have resorted to. Right. But they would. They don't have the genius creativity that Michelle Gondry and Charlie Kaufman have. Yeah. You know, like, there's a scene where he's walking through a library, and the library memory, his memory of the library is is fading. Mm-hmm. And in the background you see the lights start turning off. Yeah. So it's not as if it's not a it's not a practice it's not an effect. It's just it's just Gondry said, okay, I want the lights to slowly turn off. And then he he's he's walking out of the library, but instead of so it's just one tracking shot. Right. And it's and he's walking toward the camera and the camera's backing up. And instead of him walking out of the library, he walks into someone's he walks into the house of David Cross and right. um and 
and then the lights go completely dark in the where he came from. So they had to so they had to make a set of a house in a library and have him walk <laughs> from a library into this house. You know, and it so looked amazing. and it looked so much like a house. Now today they would just do CGI. They would just do some sort of transition yeah. green screen thing. And you, but you can always tell, like in this movie, you can tell, like that was not a green screen. That was real, you know, or when they're in the beach house and water starts to slosh into the beach house because the house memory is starting to decompose. And so it's the house is starting to kind of slide into the ocean, you know? And so it's just this, and he's standing in, in, in ocean water as it's sloshing in and, and he's inside. I don't know. It's just this amazing. It is. It is really beautiful. It has, you know, when I saw Inception. Yeah. And and the Christopher Nolan movies. Yeah. It, because he he relies a lot on uh, on real. He does CG too, but he he does so many. Uh, what do you call them? Practical? Uh, I'm calling it practical effects. Practical I, I don't effects. know if that's the right term. Yeah. Non CG, real real effects. <laughs> but th- that kind of stuff. You know, it harkens back to like the Star Wars stuff where they used models, and yeah. they, I, I, I know that eventually digital will eventually be indistinguishable, but, but it's still not there, and so you can still feel the organic aspect of it. Yeah, totally. It's really amazing. Now, this technology, I was thinking about it because in you know 2004 and before, because 2004 was before Facebook, the internet yeah. was was still just basically used for Napster. Before iPhone. Yeah. And so I was thinking how this technology, because basically, spoiler alert, the sh- the movie is about this couple who they meet, they fall in love, they have a falling out, they have a lot of fights, and then the the girlfriend decides to break up and have her memory erased of the boyfriend so she can just move on with her life. So there's this service where you go to, and and you can selectively, this, you know, focused erasure of troubling memory. So you ask, I want you to erase every memory I have of my boyfriend. And then the boyfriend finds out and says, well, I want to do this too. And so he has, he does the same service, but as it's happening, he starts to regret it. And because he doesn't want to have he wants to hold on to some of the good memories that he had with his girlfriend even though it was painful that they broke up yeah and so that's the that's the story is <laughs> he's desperately running from this this erasure and he's he even tries to hide her in his childhood by running into the childhood memories and putting her there so that uh but then the doctor figures out yeah <laughs> what's happening and he's and he keeps trying to locate the the doctor's like what you know this is he, harder this is a harder erasure job than other jobs and he doesn't have like a panic button or something in the dream right that he could just like hit and, and by the way it's so easy to relate to this not to the machine but you know I had a, a girlfriend in high school that wrote me all these love notes like tons of them I had a box full of them and uh, later she broke my heart and so when we broke up I threw them all away yeah. And years later, I was like, oh, my God, I would give anything to see even one of those notes. Yeah, I've never understood people like you. And you're you're like most people. Back before there were digital, you know, photographs, most people would take every photograph they had of their ex, rip it up and burn. Now, if that's what you want to do, great. But to me, it's like, put it in a box, put it in the attic, 
don't ever look at it again because yeah. I guarantee you in 20 years, you're going to be glad you held on to it. I became that way. I became more like, you're not to the extreme you are. But I think that at that age, um, it was also at a time where I had had to leave behind whole lives, you know? Yeah. And really, like when I moved up here at 15, I got one suitcase. Most of my life was left behind. Right. And so I sort of had this thing about like, yep, I just rip off band-aids and blah, blah. But later I started really missing these things and yeah. being like, oh my God. Yeah. I, I mean, for instance, I've seen only maybe four or five photos of you as a kid. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if you look on Facebook for me, there's billions right. of people. Whereas now I have, well, no, uh, I have a lot more than I would have as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> But I was thinking about how in this time, 2004 would have been the last kind of era of this where, because the whole idea is these two people have their memories erased of each other. And then there's letters sent to their friends saying, don't ever bring up the fact that we went out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. And don't ever refer to this person. And I was thinking about me in that time, you know, in the nineties, yep. uh, early two thousands, when if you dated someone, and for like a year or something and then broke up. If you didn't really hang out with a lot of people and you didn't live near your family or something, there was a good, there was a chance that only a handful of people even knew the two of you yeah. ever even dated. Whereas today with Facebook and other kinds of, and other easy ways of staying in contact, because also at the time long distance costs money. I've probably in my life made 10 long distance calls. Now you, you know, sure. you having relatives in Columbia. Yeah. Most of my relatives live in my, my, you know, area code. Yeah. So if you, uh, but anyway, my point is, is that communications weren't the way they are. Yeah. People didn't have cell phones. I mean, right. some people did, but a lot of them didn't. Right. And so if you stopped seeing someone, especially if they move, yeah, that could be it. That was it. And so in this movie, I just thought it was funny how, they erased their memories and then they just sent letters to like a couple people and said, don't ever bring up this person. And that was good enough for the most part to completely wipe that person from your life. <laughs> Whereas today, obviously it would be a lot harder because not only would you have to erase everything on Facebook and, you know, all the other kinds of things, but also a lot of people pay attention to you on, on Facebook, you know, yes. and they would, they might ask you how you're Hundreds doing. Hundreds of people instead of like five. <laughs> right. Anyway. Um, so one of the things that I thought this movie was touching on was that we're destined to be with our soulmate because the whole, again, spoiler alert is when they have their memories erased, they actually find their way back to each other, even though they don't know each other again. Right. And then they fall, they sort of start falling in love. And then suddenly they discover through this random plot sort of twist that they both used to go out and they both had their memories erased. And then they decide in spite of that, even though they're, they're listening to recordings of themselves complain about each other, mm -hmm. they're like, but, but I really still want to do this again. Yeah. Even though it's going to be terrible in the end, I still want to fall in love with you and I still want there to be right. the good parts. And so it's implied that when you have a soulmate, you're destined for each other. What do you think about that? Yeah, it, that's definitely the uh, implication. Although there's also a darkness to that implication because they're not saying that 
it's a good thing necessarily. Right. Or that your soulmate means you're happy. <laughs> right. Because they didn't, they didn't say, which is tempting, which is the beauty of Charlie Kaufman because he's such a pessimist. <laughs> they, they could have said something like, we'll do it different this time, you yeah, know, but they, but they didn't imply that nope. at all. Nope. Like both of them knew this is a disaster waiting to happen that we're both right. walking into but I still want to do it anyway. In some ways, uh, it's hard to use this when you're talking about really, really bad things like someone being tortured or, or, or abused for years. But when it's the more mundane badness of life, like arguments, people crying, disappointments, in some ways, you're like, well, I mean, that's life. That's life. And so it's, hard, it's a hard, it's a gray line to see well, are you going to be happier with someone else? You might, you may not, who knows? And so sort of the point there being like, hey, I, it's good enough for me. You know, it's good enough for me. <laughs> Another ideal or virtue or idea that they're getting onto, I think, in this movie is it's better to have loved and lost to have never loved at all. Right. Right. What do you think about that one? Yeah, it's sort of along those lines of, of like, look... Uh, we could either just not experience the the one life we get, or we could experience it. The fact that loss, loss comes with it, that's part of the equation. It's also, I think, if when you really watch the the movie and the various different scenes, it's about how real relationships work. Yeah, how we can hurt each other's feelings, how we eventually discover that our quote unquote soulmate has major flaws that we have to deal with that don't change. Yep. How we need to put up with the bad if we want to get the good. Uh, it's just, there's all these like really accurate uh, depictions of the way in which two people at the beginning, like there's this, there's this bit where he's listening. So he had his memory erased. He's listening to a recording of himself complain about her uh, just before he had his memory erased. And, and he, so he's listening. He's like, and, and he says, and I hate her hair. She's always coloring her hair or something <laughs> like that. And he says, that's not true. I, I like the fact that you color your hair. So, because he it, it is in the beginning of a relationship. Right. So he likes the fact that she colors her hair, these wacky colors. But by the end of the relationship, he hates it. That represents the bad parts. <laughs> right. And that's the way relationships go. Yeah. In the beginning, you love the fact that he's, extroverted or he's introverted or he likes to joke around or he likes to sit around at home and watch a movie. You love that. But by the end of the relationship, you fucking hate it. You know yes. what I mean? You're just like, all he wants to do is sit around the house. <laughs> or it is so, you're associated with some other thing that... Right. Now, I do think that there's this gray line because imagine if in the recordings, they're, they're hearing their recordings and it's like, like that time you cut me. Or that time you you know you hit me so hard I was in the hospital for three days, I think at that point they might start being like, wait a minute, yeah, yeah. But there's nothing like that, <laughs> right? Yeah. So this movie, as with a lot of movies, is all about grief. You know, as you were saying, wouldn't we all love to forget painful memories? Do you think this is a good or a bad thing, Berto? To to like say this existed, right? Is it a good thing for us or a bad thing? For us? I think it's uh, it. It depends. If the thing that is that in question that you would be trying to forget is blocking you in life, is sort of making your life really miserable, because it could be right. Let's say we're talking about abuse as a child, and this makes you really dysfunctional, constantly worried. Maybe it even makes you want to abuse others in the similar ways. Well, maybe that is the kind of thing that 
you should, you could, if you could, you would want to erase. Yeah. But if you're talking about like, ah, I, I wish I didn't remember these boring things that happened or these frustrating things that happened, then the risk there is that you really end up with very little life. Right. <laughs> and the, the other thing is the lessons you learned from those things, from those mistakes, from the errors, from the, from the fall downs, right? Yeah. Those, those lessons, will you still retain the lessons if you forget the, the problems? Maybe yeah. not. Yeah, exactly. That's what I would say. The only thing I would add to that is that if you, er- if you erase, say, uh, something like this where you had a breakup that was difficult. If you erase it, you deny yourself the wisdom and the meanings that you pull from that through grief and through sadness and through loss. We derive meanings from that. We, we learn to appreciate life better. We learn to appreciate relationships better. We learn to, when we're in a good relationship, we, we, and we have a complaint, we'll say, well, it's not as bad as the 20 other relationships I've been in. <laughs> and, and so, and those, and I, and I had to learn the hard way right. that this relationship on average is better <laughs> or, you know, in comparison to my that's, other relationship is better. That's a really great point that if you erase all the quote unquote, uh, bad stuff, you don't have a frame of reference. Yeah. Or when someone dies, do you want to erase them from your mind? Like it, it, those kinds of things I'm, I'm thinking it would actually harm you. But I agree that if there was a traumatic event in your life, I think it's pretty clear that it would be better if you just forgot it. Yeah. If it's, if it's severely affecting or just even seriously affecting you. Um, but it's, of course it's tricky because, um, it may not be easy. Like if it was something traumatic with... Because imagine the side effect. Let's say it was your parent that abused you or someone close to you. Yeah. And you erase the trauma. And now you go to that person. And you there, as far as you know, there was never anything bad that happened. Right. You could be very vulnerable right. to, to that right. relationship. Right. Obviously, there's a lot of nuances yeah. there. But um, the final shot. Do you remember the very final shot? Not well, no. They are, the, the Kate Winslet and Jim Carrey are running on the beach in the snow and they're happy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're running away from the camera. And the shot actually uh, cuts back in time and kind of restarts mm-hmm. a couple times. So they're, they're running down and then it, it cuts and then it cuts back to when they're about halfway down and then, and then they run forward and then they cut back. And I was thinking that this is because they keep erasing their memories. (laughs) Yeah, that could be. So, that's so frustrating. So that they can fall in love again, you know, groundhog day. (laughs) Well, well this, I could, this, I could see a legitimate model for having a wonderful relationship because the first year of oh my god of a of a of a good match yeah is one of the best feelings you could ever have <laughs> right and you could legitimately engineer this by periodically wiping your memory of that person always one year <laughs> yeah and you could stay in a honeymoon phase in a blissful Honeymoon stay, phase for the rest of your life. This is it. We got to start the company. Honeymoon.com. Or, or, or 
uh, eternalhoneymoon.com. <laughs> Eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. That's what it means is you don't have a spot on yeah. your mind. And yeah. so you're eternally in the sunshine. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to talk about the movie uh, a little bit in terms of where it fits in. This is a rough list, but I'm going to, uh, what number do you think I have Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind out of the 3,000 movies that I've rated? What what rank do you think it is? Um, well, uh, I rank it really high, but um, I'd say for you, it's in your top 20. It's in my top five. It's number five. Wow. Yeah. When I saw this movie, I, I just loved it and still do. Yeah, you know really what my amazing. number one is. Well, so I always forget because it used to be Brazil, and more recently you changed it to uh, prisoners. No, 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 no. Uh, oh, man, Clockwork oh, Orange. Clockwork Orange. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, didn't I give you a Clockwork Orange shirt? Or yeah, no, not a shirt. Oh yeah, uh, your Clockwork Orange shirt that you bought yourself. I got you a Beatles shirt. Anyway, wait, Clockwork Orange number one, Brazil number two. Uh, what do you think is my number three? Um, uh, I've already uh, talked. Oh, 2001 or something? 2001, ick. Okay. Uh, Empire Strikes Back. Oh, okay, fine. But Remember, but you must have a Kubrick in there somewhere. Clockwork Orange. Oh, yeah, duh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number four, uh, Scorsese. Uh, uh, Goodfellas. So, oh, Goodfellas over... Over Casino? I guess. No, yeah, you're right. Goodfellas. Would be um... So, so yeah, so Clockwork Orange, Brazil, Empire Strikes Back, Goodfellas, Eternal Sunshine. And then from then, from there down, uh, any other guesses as to what would be in the next list of 20? Um, let's see. Yes, uh, you must have, what's it called, a Blade Runner in there somewhere. No, I'm actually not a huge, I like the movie, okay. but it's, I, I'm not one of those people that really. I'm like it. you, uh, but I came to it later in life, so. I did it, and I still... I mean, it's fine. It's a fine movie, yeah. but it, okay. it annoys me, actually. There's certain parts of it that annoy me. I've, the way that androids... The, the the way they sort of fix on the androids a lot, and they're yeah. acting all kind of crazy and weird. And, oh, I know. Jackie Brown. No, I love that movie, but that's not no. in my top 25. Okay. Um, but another one of his movies is... Oh, because I thought Jackie Brown was your favorite of his. Um. Okay, okay, okay. Then if it's not that one... And it's not pulp, then is it Reservoir Dogs? Yeah, Reservoir Dogs. Okay. I mean, part of this list is based on the effect the movie had on me. Yeah. Like, I probably, I would rather watch Jackie Brown now than Reservoir Dogs, like if I just popped one in the VHS. But But, the effect. But when Reservoir Dogs Dogs came out in 92, I, I was like, I mean, it was a brand new genre. Yeah. And I... Uh, yeah, so see, I never saw Reservoir Dogs before I saw Pulp Fiction. So when I that for me was Pulp Fiction. When I saw it, I was like, oh, "What right. am I watching? There's right. nothing like this." Right, and 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 Pulp Fiction was amazing, but I sort of feel like Pulp Fiction doesn't really stand up, sent us because oh, uh, it's like for me it does really. Okay, <laughs> yeah. but but again, it, it, like like similar to what you're saying, I remember that feeling I had when I saw it. Like as an example, one that doesn't stand up for me. But I had a good feeling at the time was uh, the Usual Suspects. Yeah, that one actually is. It, I don't, have you watched it recently? Oh yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't stand up. No, no. It actually didn't stand up for me at the time. Like it took a while. Like I saw. Like that was like mid nineties, late nineties or something. And 
it, it right away, people didn't really talk about it. It wasn't until like 10 years later that there was all this Kaiser Sose talk. And I remember you actually sort of bring up, you know, usual suspects. I saw it when it came out and not in the theater, but I saw it on. on all, all I remember is like there was a time when I didn't hear anything about the usual suspects. And then I suddenly started hearing a lot about it. Because it started to become kind of a cult classic or something. I, I mean, I saw it in, in college, so when it came out, and everyone that was talking about it was like, oh my God, it's crazy. And then I saw it, and I liked it. I loved the twist and stuff like that. But years later, looking back, I'm like, yeah, it's not that great. Right. It's, it's good, but right. it's, yeah. I mean, part of it could just be that that sort of movie has been so played out in some ways, and the, the twist at the end... Uh, device has also been used there there weren't a lot of movies back then that had clever twists like that one did you know? that's true and what but when i tried watching it a few years ago it felt boring to me yeah it's kind of boring. yeah so uh any other guests from my top 30 movies oh, yeah, of all time man, i should be able to about a boy or uh, boyhood no that's your favorite movie you didn't like it that much i, li- I like it yeah. but we're talking out of two, three thousand movies, okay. this is the top thirty movies. Well, okay, 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 okay. There's uh, some. F- oh, uh, there, there will be blood. No, love that movie, but not. Um, it's not but a bad one of his movies. Uh, one of his movies. Philip Hoffman or uh, Philip? You mean uh, Philip? What's his name? Oh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. You no, mean, no, no. You no, mean no. Um, uh, Anderson? Paul Thomas. Paul Anderson. PTA. Do I have a PTA? movie in here i don't think i do oh uh then um but what about uh boogie nights no, no. that's a paul thomas anderson movie oh okay plus have you rewatched that movie yes it it seriously is not as good as when it came yes. out i mean it was a great movie when it came out i still out. like it but you're right it does but it, I, it, I think it my favorite movie is this, well. so there will be blood definitely one of my favorites of his but i also oh, 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 oh. but i also loved um uh uh the frogs falling from the sky. Yeah, yeah, um, Magnolia. Magnolia, I really Okay, no, but one. I now know, of course. Uh, you, uh, Darjeeling or... No, 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 the the other one. The yeah. hotel... No. But oh. you're getting in that you're close. Okay, well then the royal? No. Uh, I definitely could compete, but Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, okay, of course. Royal Tannenbaum's... Because you are in Moonrise Kingdom. Right. <laughs> Moonrise Kingdom just hits all the buttons for yeah. me. Uh, royal Tannenbaum's... I could arguably also put in his top list because I just love that movie. See, my my top five are uh, American Psycho, American Psycho, American Psycho, American Psycho, (laughs) and Rushmore. (laughs) So Rushmore is in my top. Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, So Godfather Part 2, Fight Club, The Matrix, uh, which I sort of... It's like the Matrix, really, but no, my, it deserves a spot. Man. Yeah, it's a great movie. The Thing from 1982 with Kurt Russell. Yeah, right. I, I would not do that one, but I understand why you do it because I didn't. I didn't have that attachment to it. Yeah, I if, I, watched if I watched it. it now, I'd be like, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. but I watched that movie a hundred times. Everyone who I've ever talked to that watched it as a kid, yeah, feels that way about it. Yeah, I never saw it till much later as an adult. Uh, Unforgiven. Oh yeah, that's a great movie. Inside Out. I'm going to put that one in there. I don't know if I'm just wow. sort of still in love with that movie, but it's I just good. think it's that movie, movie has so many elements to it. Yeah. City of God. Oh, yeah. Memento. Of course, Memento. Big Lebowski. Yep. Saving Private Ryan, which I debated Interesting. as to whether or not I would I'm, I'm surprised about I love Saving Private Ryan. I love a good war movie, man. I, 
I love war movies, <laughs> and and Saving Private Ryan is one of the most perfect war movies of all yeah. time. L.A. Confidential. Yep, that's good. Seven Samurai from '54, the Japanese. Yeah, Princess Mononoke. Napoleon Dynamite. See, for me, Spirited Away is I, I like Spirited Away better. Yeah, it's definitely if if Princess Mononoke had not been made, then Maybe I would put Spirit. Yeah. But Napoleon Dynamite, I think, is <laughs> is one of the most perfect comedies of all time. I just, I mean, think about how many things in that movie are in our culture. Yeah, you know, just I commend the ability that you have to make these lists because for me, it seems really hard. Well, so. It's easy for me because I rate as soon as I watch a movie. As I'm walking out of the theater, I pull out my phone, I, I open my IMDb sure. app, and I quickly rate it, which takes three seconds. I, and, I guess and by if you're the end of by and, the yeah, and by the end of twenty years of doing that, then I can go on the website and just say rank all of my uh, ratings by rank by yeah. rating, and then I can just copy and paste it into the. I, I I can see if if you're going by that initial reaction, that makes sense for me. Since I don't have that that tracked, uh, first of all, it's harder. I'd have to sit there and go through all the movies and remember how I felt. Which you know, but could I, be I will fun. say this: like there are some movies that I put in some of my top. I don't know if it's top ten or whatever that are not what you would traditionally consider being maybe in the top twenty five of a list, but it's because they're so rewatchable for me yeah. and they're so entertaining. So White Man Can't Jump is okay. an example. Yeah. That's one of my favorite movies of all. Right. Time. My next one, Galaxy Quest, is kind of like that. Yeah, sure. sure. Galaxy Quest is not you know a, a a masterpiece. Right. But this movie I w- I've watched a hundred times and could watch it a hundred more times and still enjoy it right you know? and so that's one of those inclusions you know uh the holy grail from 75 i think is yeah. one of the most perfect movies and has never been recreated i mean think about a movie that's like the holy grail no. can, can you think of any movie nope. even a monty python movie nope. <laughs> that even comes close nope. to the holy grail it's just what and, so, and that movie again 75 back when like that's when I was born. <laughs> when, like, you know, Chips was on TV and shit. You so, know? so let me tell you about that movie. Um, growing up in Colombia, I never saw it, never heard of it. Not at all. Not, not one bit. Now, picture this. I'm in high school in Tacoma, and it's a weekend. And I go over to my friend Paul's. And he's like, okay, today we're watching a movie. And I'm like, yeah, well, what are we watching? It's uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And, and, like, he said words. But he might as well have said, and I was like, what? It sounded bizarre. I asked him, what is it about? And he said, like, you just got to watch it. I'm like, I don't get it. And we sat there and we watched it. And I was, I didn't, I couldn't make, I was like, what am I watching? This is crazy. Yeah. Like this movie, because I, I hadn't been exposed to that style of humor. Yeah. Never neither. seen any Monty Python. And it was so amazing. Yeah. My brother was what he he's he's seven years older than me and so he would have been like in like late high school or something yeah and he and we had one of the first vhs uh recorders Uh in the neighborhood and he had he had rented it and i was walking through the living room and and he's like he's like kirk you need to watch this movie and i was (laughs) and i was like i was like what is it it's it's called monty python it's by monty python and I'm like, who's Monty Python? Who's Monty Python? <laughs> and he's like, no, if I, Monty Python is this group of five guys. It's a comedy troupe. And I was like, why do they call themselves Monty Python? 
I mean, because to me, I mean, if you think about it, it's like getting a group together and calling yourself like Jeff Anderson, you know, because Monty Python, that's that's conceivably a first and last name. Yeah. And well, so and to, for me, all I could think of is Python. OK, so it's it's like snakes and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so I was I was just like, who? Monty? And I remember just being so confused, just just like you just right off the <laughs> like, what is I? And then. I was rolling. Yeah. And and rolling in a way that I'd never I mean I'd laughed before obviously, but not there it was it was touching on a particular humor in my bones that yes. had never been tickled before. Yeah. You know. And oh, by the way, I didn't even know what a grail was at the time. Like a holy grail. I didn't even know what that was referring to. I didn't know either. Yeah. Uh, I I you know, didn't grow up in <laughs> with that sort of I was like grail. Okay. Um Big Trouble Little China. Yeah, that's a good one. My uh, friend Broadhead, you know him. He just bought the board game, so we got to play Oh, that. I would love to play that. Annie Hall, of course. That's good. That's a good movie. The Road Warrior from 81. Yeah. Okay, I would see that. I would put that on my top 25. That is one of the most perfect action movies of all yes. time. The Talented Mr. Ripley from 99. Love that movie. Yeah. Matt Damon was unbelievable in yeah. that. Yeah, Jude Law, yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, I saw that recently, like uh, last year or the year before. It breaks your heart. Like, it's so rich. That movie is crazy. That movie, it, it's just a perfect uh, story. And yeah. the way it feels, I don't know, just everything. So, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon from Oh, 2000. I forgot about that. Uh, once, the movie Once. Man, see, this is my problem. You'd ask me, give me a 25. And then all of a sudden, you'd be like, I can't believe you didn't put... Well, see, I, I might have put hero in mine, you know the the, the Jet Li hero. I've, I don't know if I've even seen that movie. Oh, it's like Crouching Tiger, oh. like that epic, like oh, maybe crazy. I have seen that. Yeah, but with, with Jet Li, and it's really amazing visuals, like amazing visuals, but it doesn't have the emotion that Crouching Tiger has. Probably, I I was, I mean, I was a lot younger when I saw both of them, but I actually, to me, I I, I preferred Hero slightly, but you know, I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's not as good, but I personally thought Hero was just mind-blowing. But you're right. Now that I think about it, Crouching Tiger is probably more epic. I need to watch them both again as, as more of an adult. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the screenplay of Eternal Sunshine was by Charlie Kaufman, who also wrote Being John Malkovich, Human Nature, which is, a, which is an unknown movie. Pretty good. Human Nature. Also uh, directed by Michelle Gondry. Uh, it's a good movie. Uh Charlie Kaufman adaptation, which that's in my top ten. Yeah, I I thought about I, uh, that would have been in my top thirty, but I recently watched it and was like, yeah, this is still amazing, but I'm not as jazzed about it. I was, I mean, I I, st I still have it as a ten out of ten. It's just I, I recently I watched it with my brother. He had never seen it. I I made him watch it a few months ago. Oh man, I, I just for me. That I like the conceptual layered. Yeah. I even like Synecdoche, New York, although not in my top twenty-five. I just love that movie. Right, Charlie Kaufman uh, again. Eternal Sunshine, oh four, oh eight. He made Synecdoche. So, so imagine myself being John Malkovich. Human nature adaptation. Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind. Everyone, there's this, and he waits four years. Like every yeah. other movie is yeah. out like one year after each other. He waits four years. He finally comes out with this new movie, Synecdoche, New York. Yeah. 
oh my God, it's going to be amazing. And he directed this too. It was was his first. And I thought, man, this is going to be, you know, a perfection. Yeah. And I, I need to, I only watched it once as we've talked about before. I I need to watch it again. I, I would not recommend that movie to anyone, like not anyone. But me personally, maybe I'm just like a masochist for his work. No, people people I love loved it. it. Critics love that. Then uh, last year, Anomalisa, he also directed that. That's the stop motion. I own it, and I've yet to watch it. It's good. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, interesting, unique, total Charlie Kaufman. He's back in, he's back in the saddle. Back in the saddle. With Anomalisa. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous it's a, that I haven't seen it. I don't, I have no excuse. You have to sit down and watch it. Don't be playing video games on your phone while you're doing I it. I don't though. play... What the... Wait, where did this come from? I'm just, no, I'm telling everyone. I don't <laughs> okay. know about you, but, <laughs> but a lot of people watch TV oh, with, I see what you're saying. while they're playing. I thought you were telling me. I'm like, wait, what? Uh, Eternal Sunshine, directed by uh, Michel Gondry, uh, who also directed Human Nature, uh, uh, Eternal Sunshine, The Science of Sleep, which... So, Michel Gondry is like, oh my God, Human Nature, Eternal Sunshine. He, this, is, this guy is a genius. And then he makes The Science of Sleep, which was not great. I don't think I saw that. Then he made Be Kind, Rewind. I did see that. Which was okay. That had some funny aspects to it. Yeah, but, but it, it was no great. Eternal Sunshine. No, 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 no. Then The Green Hornet with, which uh, terrible, right? with I never Seth saw Rogen. That. It wasn't bad. Oh, okay. And then three other movies that. recently that I haven't even heard of. And so I'm just... I don't understand what's happening. And there was a time when Michelle Gondry was, I would watch featurettes, just him talking about making a movie. Like, I just thought he was a genius. And yeah. like, it's like, I, he hasn't had a good project in a while. Oh, I, I feel uh, like Spike Jones is similar. There's a time when Michelle Gondry, Charlie Kaufman, Spike Jones just had the world by the horns <laughs> in terms of film. And like, they just haven't done anything recently. Yeah. Except um, for Anomalisa, which is great. I, you must have some David Fincher. Oh, Fight Club. Fight Club. Yeah. Um, also, uh, I know it's... Which, when I saw... It's still a great movie. Yeah. Just visceral, interesting. Yeah. But when I saw it in the theater, I I wanted to riot. Yeah. I wanted to jump up out of my seat <laughs> and tear down the capitalistic system. Dude, that movie was amazing. Now, um... I also love Primer. I, I would put Primer in my top uh, 10, even though it's, uh, I mean, I would, again, another one that I'd be very careful to recommend to anyone. It doesn't, it's not well made in some ways. I mean, it is for me, but it's a very, very, very low budget. You know, you know the one I'm talking, the, the yeah. time travel. Would you put any Paul Thomas Anderson movies in top? Uh, top, top well, top so I really like, is it in Punch Drunk Love? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I really so like I, that. I, Took Punch Junk Love off of this list at the last moment because yeah. although it's one of my top movies of all time, I was thinking, eh, I don't know if I really think it's... Uh, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm actually... I'm going to do an exercise. Uh, do a top 25. It's going to take me a bit and it's probably going to be very imperfect, but I'm going to do it for myself. And then, and then hold on to it and then as time goes, you, time can, goes, you, can, you, can, you can change it. All right. Let's give swag away. I'm going to scroll down and you tell me when to start. Right. I'm scrolling down. On the 420-ish Are you doing patrons. it right now? Are you scrolling? I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. I'm, I'm scrolling, gonna scrolling, wait a little longer because normally... Uh, go, stop! Paul. Paul from... From Denmark, it looks like. Oh. D-E. Is that Denmark? Yeah, that's Paul Denmarkish. From, Paul from Denmark. So, patron Paul, I will send you some swag in the mail. 
thank you so much, everyone, for being patrons. Like patron D'Andrea and Sarah. Although and D could also be Germany. D-E could be Germany. Oh, Deutschland. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Deutschland. Uh, Westfall. Nor- Nordrhein-Westfalen. Munster. Munster. That's Germany. Germany. Deutschland. Okay. M- Munster has the umlaut. Munster. Munster. Uh, patron Jeez. Karen and Jason and and Gay Young and Ashley and Megan and and Tasha and my mom. My mom's a patron of the pod. If my mom is a patron of the podcast, then surely you can be a patron <laughs> of the podcast. Oh, a podcast only a mother would love. <laughs> <laughs> well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us out there. Let us know what you think of our talk about eternal sunshine, and take care of yourself because you deserve it.